재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 We're back. We're talking about uh, South Korea's uh, recent verbal intervention in the uh, currency markets. Uh, authorities here would like to stem this uh, somewhat rapid uh, devaluation trend that we've been witnessing. We're going to widen our focus on a more global scale in this part of the discussion, how other emerging markets are also uh, facing some headwinds, and a lot of this is attributed to the uh, recent U.S. interest rate hike, as well as a lot of other conditions, including slumping oil prices, uh, things that we've discussed at quite some length in previous uh, economics-focused discussions. Uh, give us your thoughts. Text us at pound 1013 for 51, or send us a CalTalk message. Uh, joining us here in the studio, uh, once again, Professor Yang Jun-suk will also be joined by an expert from the U.K. in just a moment. Uh, Professor Yang, in the U.S., and this has been sort of a long-running call, especially against uh, uh, the more hawkish elements uh, in the uh, Congress, which is we don't like currency manipulators. And uh, just like how some people feel that the THAAD deployment is aimed at a particular country like China, a lot of people feel that that is really aimed at uh, China in terms of how they uh, handle the yuan. And so they want to have some more sanctions and punitive measures in place against countries like that. Is it possible, ostensibly, if it's aimed at a country like Korea, but I mean, at China, that a country like South Korea, if they continue to try to prop up their currency, could be caught in the crosshairs. Uh, well, uh, if you look at the law that they just passed, uh, Korea is vulnerable. Uh, now, uh, in the law itself, it just says that they will look at the uh, exchange rates. But according to the people who back the law, what they're going to uh, look at is how much exchange rates are undervalued due to government purchase of, uh, the, do- uh, of the dollar. And in Korea's case, we're very vulnerable to that because, well, we purchased a lot of uh, dollars for our currency reserve. Now, Korea's argument is that we're doing, we're building up our reserves in case of uh, foreign exchange rate crisis. But the, uh, but some people's interpretation of that is Korea is buying uh, that money, uh, that much dollars because they want to weaken the uh, won against the dollar. Uh, now. Take country like Japan right now. They have, or they had last year before uh, they started appreciating. They had a very, uh, they had uh, their yen depreciated a lot over the last two or three years, but that was as uh, the result of their monetary policy because they printed so much money. And according to people who back the U.S. law uh, on the uh, sanctions against undervalued currency. They will exempt the cases where uh, the uh, low interest rate, uh, low uh, low exchange rate, was caused by monetary policy. Right. So Japan gets a get get Japan out of jail free card. Japan gets a get out of jail free card. U.S. gets a uh, get out of jail card. China and Korea does not, because we usually intervene in the market directly, mm-hmm. and that makes uh, Korea vulnerable to that kind of attack. But for our particular situation, it's a very weird situation because the market forces itself is weakening the Korean won. Mm. And it's heading into the direction that U.S. Uh, Congress doesn't want, but it's due to market factors. So right. we may argue whether it's rational market factors or not. And if the uh, Korean government does decide to intervene to strengthen the won, mm. then we will be using a tool that U.S. doesn't like to get a result that U.S. does like. Yeah, some irony there then, indeed. Uh, let's get the thoughts of another professor joining us on the line from London School of Economics, economics professor Charles Goodhart. Hello? 
Bye. Professor, thank you for joining us. Uh, first, can we get your uh, view overall on what we've seen, for example, in East Asia, China's uh, recent string of surprise devaluations with the yen, as well as Japan's uh, current negative interest rate policy? Are we, are we seeing a potential currency war among the various countries? Um, no. Um, and first of all, the um, negative interest rates that were introduced in Japan quite recently uh, actually had a counterproductive effect. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, uh, yen effectively has strengthened um, uh, rather than weakened. And secondly, uh, China really has not been undertaking uh, sort of hidden devaluations. It, it shifted its um, peg from the dollar to a basket, which I think, in fact, was highly sensible. And the Chinese authorities, like Governor Zhou, have been um, very vocal uh, in claiming that they have no intention uh, of bringing about a significant devaluation. Uh, if there is serious pressure on uh, the renminbi, they may have to introduce uh, capital outflow controls. Um, but for the time being, they are, in fact, uh, maintaining the value of the renminbi okay. uh, by selling a lot of their previously accumulated dollar reserves. <clears throat> no, I, I don't think there's any particular sign uh, of currency wars uh, in Asia at the moment uh, uh, at all. Now, Professor Young, as what Professor Goodhart is mentioning, uh, no overt uh, type of tactic or strategy in place by the various governments in East Asia to try and uh, intentionally devalue their uh, currencies. But again, I suppose what you're pointing out is that South Korea's situation right now is a little bit different or unique from what China and Japan are going through? Uh, not Well, no. Uh, well, the go- uh, this, I think, the deva- uh, depreciation of the one that's going on right now, uh, got, a lot of government officials may have wanted it, but they did not trigger it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's unintentional uh, what's going on. And in fact, the government officials have signified, uh, signaled that they don't like this because partially because it's happening so quickly and it's happening to such a large extent. So I think some of them look at at least part of this movement as a uh, unstable bubble, and they want to pop it. Mm-hmm. Now, if it does end up that we end up in a uh, stable uh, exchange rate, which is somewhat maybe 10, 20 percent lower than what it was at the end of last year, I think government people are not going to really complain very much. Right. But the fact that it is very uh, moving quickly and it actually seems to be accelerating in the last week or so, I think that has uh, government officials nervous. Professor Goodhart, uh, if we look at the situation in South Korea and maybe other emerging markets, uh, the currencies like South Korea and their won, is it especially at risk uh, in terms of devaluation because of what we've seen with the U.S. Federal Reserve and their tightening policies, uh, the uh, recent interest rate hike? Uh, a lot of people worried about this capital outflow from South Korea uh, seeking safe havens like the U.S. dollar or U.S. bonds. The disturbances in the last month or so uh, have meant that the U.S. Fed uh, has now gone back to being on hold. Mm -hmm. Um, They are not likely to uh, come back to a a further tightening cycle, raising interest rates yet further, uh, until the economies stabilize, the American economy recovers its strength, 
uh, and the external disturbances become less worrying. So I don't think that the idea that there's going to be a continuing uh, strengthening of the U.S. dollar uh, has all that much um, validity behind it. On the other hand, um, conditions over here in Europe uh, with the possibility of the U.K. leaving the EU mm. is weakening both the pound sterling and the euro simultaneously. Uh, so that there are some... Uh, effects of a generalized uh, depreciation occurring, which will um, bring about a net strengthening of the U.S. dollar, even if interest rates were there remain constant, as they're likely to do so uh, for the foreseeable future. So as Professor Goodhart's uh, been pointing out, Professor Young, there are some unique market factors at play uh, in Europe with uh, what the UK is deciding right now, potentially leaving the euro. You talked about the problems that the euro's been going through uh, here in Korea, uh, in China, concerns about the economy. So even if the US decides to stand pat, uh, from what you're seeing with the South Korean economy at least, are, are, you, are you pretty bearish then on the one? You expect to see further devaluing? Uh, I expect to see further devaluing. Problem, uh, I think the problem is how low will it go before it bounces back up again. I, uh, Korea, if you look at the exchange rates since the uh, Asian financial crisis, uh, when we got rid of most of the uh, restrictions that were on the uh, exchange, rate, uh, exchange rate market, uh, the instability has been really very large. Volatility has been larger than most of the other even emerging market currencies. I think part of that problem is is that Korea is in a very strange situation where it's not quite a safe asset. It's not quite an emerging market dangerous asset, and the market is relatively free. So whenever the uh, global economy seems to be relatively stable, you have a lot of money coming into the uh, Korean uh, foreign exchange market or stock market, and then whenever there's sort of an instability, then it all flows out back into some of the more safer assets. And then uh, when that ends, then it comes back again. So uh, that really creates, I think, a uh, large uh, fluctuations in the exchange rate, which is not good for the Korean economy. And Professor Goodhart, the, the major concern in Korea, besides a lot of the issues with the economic fundamentals, are, of course, how China uh, handles their economic situation uh, and also how uh, they value their currency. You talked about their policies and not necessarily being something that is uh, depreci depreciation-driven, but do you believe that um, what they are doing as far as spending their currency reserves, uh, trying to ward off capital outflows. Uh, does China have to do anything more, or is their strategy going forward right now really all they can do? I think that they ought to be more expansionary on the fiscal side. Uh, the social safety net uh, with the availability of pensions, uh, the health service and so on is still insufficient. Uh, more public sector expenditures but at the same time, a slightly tighter monetary policy uh, would, I think, be the right road. They're doing, I think, a good job in shifting their uh, economy from an exaggerated uh, emphasis on um, manufacturing and exports, mm. and they need to shift it much more towards uh, domestic consumption. And they're moving, I think, quite well in that direction. 
But I think more done through fiscal policy and a bit less on monetary policy uh, would be desirable and would stabilize their external position at the same time. All right. Professor Goodhart, thank you once again for joining us. Really appreciate your expertise. Thank you. Professor of Economics at London School of Economics, uh, Charles Goodhart. Professor Young, uh, would you generally agree with uh, Professor Goodhart's assessment as far as China and what they're doing right now? Uh, yes, I would. Uh, I think all of the countries which are in this uh, global financial crisis are really underplaying fiscal policy. That's partially because most of these countries, I think, had a lot of debt load in the uh, past. I think it's also because uh, because moral hazard. Uh, if you increase your fiscal expenditure, then that, pro uh, that usually means that you have more government debt. And these uh, especially advanced economies, don't want to load up on any more debt right now. So they're all sort of looking at other countries to do expand their fiscal policies without expanding on their own. Right. And so it's really up to the monetary uh, authorities to try to do something about this uh, slowdown. And uh, I think they're taking more than their share of the uh, burden. And because of that, I think the uh, effect of the monetary policy is weakening. So we pretty much reached near the end of what monetary policies can do, I think. So a lot of the central bankers around the world, uh, these are very plumb positions. So you're, you're saying that a lot of them are basically rendered impotent in terms of trying to do anything that can have any dramatic positive effect. Well, uh, I think so. Uh, the uh, European uh, Central Bank, the Japanese Central Bank, they went into negative rates, uh, which is unprecedented in the uh, since the second half of the 20th century. And it century. has not had the desired effect up to well, now, it right? Well, uh, it does have an effect. It didn't have some effect, but not as large as people hoped. So uh, I think we're pretty much reaching the uh, end of the road here. And fiscal policy really does have to... Uh, put uh, do, uh, do more of a role in getting out of this. Uh, and I think a lot of the central uh, bank authorities, with the possible exception of Germany, uh, are arguing that the uh, government should uh, expand their fiscal uh, expenditures. Now, do you meant this is a very interesting point you made that is sort of a game of chicken where a lot of the major economies are going, well, we don't want to get into debt, but if you guys actually kind of pony up the dough and expansionary fiscal policy, uh, boost up your domestic markets that can have sort of that synergistic effect and we can all be happy together. The question is who goes first, right? Or who goes at all? And right now we're not seeing that major movement yet among those major economies. Uh, China, and I think uh, this was an interesting point made by Professor Goodhart. He says that they've done a pretty good job of trying to now make that transition, that difficult transition of being overly reliant on manufacturing and exports and be more of a domestic demand economy. That's not an option as it stands right now with our fundamentals here in Korea. That we're, we're basically set with our strategy. We cannot make that transition anytime soon. I Well, I disagree with that really? somewhat. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, if you look at the uh, Korea's consumption as a percentage of the GDP... It's low, right? Yeah, it's relatively low. It's not that low, but still could be higher. And uh, you really need to keep both of the uh, pillars alive, domestic economy as well as the export economy. And we've really been uh, concentrating too much, I think, on exports. Uh, so uh, we do need to improve the uh, domestic economy somewhat, but there's a lot of resistance to that because the key to Korean success in the past has been exports. Mm -hmm. It rescued us in 60s and 70s uh, and made us uh, on the uh, path to the uh, 
advanced economy, and it rescued us right after the uh, Asian financial crisis because uh, China was growing uh, by leaps and bounds. So I think we've grown dependent on exports, and at least theoretically, we need to change that. And you say that it can be done, whereas there are some other pundits, as you know, that are saying, look, it, it's just fundamentally very difficult for, for Korea to transition like that. Well, the big difference of opinion is, I think, uh, how small a country is Korea. Korea has about 1% of the uh, global population and about 2% of the uh, global GDP. So if you look at just the percentage basis, then we are small. But on the other hand, we're something like the 14th largest uh, economy in the world. Yeah. So there's not that many countries which are, uh, have a greater uh, uh, sized economy. So uh, we're really sort of in the middle there, which mm. is why it, uh, it makes this kind of decisions very difficult. Bottom line, and one of the points uh, you raised very early in our discussion was that there were some rumors swirling around that perhaps uh, the Bank of Korea will signal and eventually go the opposite direction that the U.S. Fed wants to go. They will lower interest rates. What are the prospects for that? I mean, you were saying that they really don't have many options left, but are we looking at a potential in the future uh, 25 basis point cut? Okay. Uh, right now, I don't think there is a good reason to cut because right now I think the Bank of Korea is uh, questioning whether it will have that much of an effect. My personal opinion is that if they do decide to uh, lower the interest rate, it should be done in, uh, with a uh, very expansionary fiscal policy. Uh, but one warning that, I'm, uh, that should be considered uh, and we won't know the answer to this for at least the next few weeks, is that if the uh, rumors of a fall cause the uh, depreciation right now, then perhaps we've sort of reached the end of how low we can lower the interest rate. We've been afraid that, well, we need to keep some kind of a uh, cushion. risk premium, yeah. cushion between the U.S. and Korea because Korea is considered a more uh, risky country. Sure. And we've, uh, the rule of thumb two years ago was that there should be a 2% interest rate difference uh, but we've broken that last We're year. We're at 1.5 right now. Right. So uh, if uh, so, the uh, difference is uh, smaller than we thought it would be. But we don't know quite know what exactly that cushion should be, the risk premium. And if the markets were so this shocked by the rumors of uh, interest rate fall, maybe we'd reach the end of that cushion. Mm. Uh, but we won't know until uh, this uh, depreciation trend that we have right now stops and we can consider whether uh, we can lower it even more or not. Yeah. Uh, the data is just not in yet. Bottom line, there's not much we can do, it seems like what you're saying, essentially, as far as the one and uh, this depreciation trend. Uh, right now, yeah. Uh, it, uh, if it is sort of a bubble, uh, then the government is, I think, taking the right tack to try to... Uh, Exp explode that bubble. Uh, but we'll have to see whether this continues. Uh, to and that's uh, really something that we sure. can't predict yet. No, not yet. All right. Well, uh, very good discussion as always, Professor Yang. Appreciate your insights. Uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you.